0: The last page has been turned on my most recent read, and I have decided that I am going to try things a little differently this week, just to see how it goes. So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion-filled as ever, and ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as we travel to the underworld, fake data god, and start setting the world to rights with B. Fitzgerald's Girl Goddess Queen. I'm your host, Ray, self confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long term depression sufferer, and ex coffee addict. Join me on my journey through my ever growing to be read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler free book reviews. What, I hear you say? Another YA fantasy? Really? I know, but my thoughts and views on it are currently so fresh in my head that I need to talk about it. The curse of being a woman of a certain age and all that. Despite only having come out a few weeks ago, Girl Goddess Queen has already gained something of a cult following, with images and videos of the book appearing pretty much everywhere. But to be fair, it is probably one of the most beautiful naked hardbacks I have seen in years. For some reason, the finish reminds me a lot of the Ladybird classic hardback kids books I used to get. Granted, I did purchase the special edition of this one. But when you see it, you'll know why I couldn't resist. Anyway, less about the cover, though I have to be honest, that was a large part of why I bought the edition I did. I need to tell you the story. To hell with love, this goddess has other plans. Thousands of years ago, the gods told a lie. How Persephone was a pawn of the politics of other gods. How Hades kidnapped Persephone to be his bride. How her mother Demeter was so distraught she caused the earth to start dying. The real story is much more interesting. Persephone wasn't taken to hell. She jumped. There was no way she was going to be married off to some smug god more in love with himself than her. Now all she has to do is convince the underworld's annoyingly sexy, arrogant and frankly rude leader, Hades, to fall in line with her plan. A plan that will shake Mount Olympus to its very core. But consequences can be deadly, especially when you're already in hell. Her whole life, Core, has been living protected from the outside world on an island away from the other gods. As a young child, her father, the king of the gods, Zeus, bestowed the gift of flowers upon her, and she has tried to conform to the ideals of women that have been passed down from mother to daughter for as long as the gods dictated it. Her own mother, Demeter is possessive, hypocritical, and instead of encouraging her daughter to reach her potential, she seems intent on pushing her down, until she is merely another woman who obeys the whims of her husband. Not that Demeter has a husband of her own. The worst thing about her mother, and the lessons she teaches, is that they appear to be so contradictory. On the one hand, she is showing examples of how men are evil and cruel – using the example Zeus and his treatment of women as part of the lesson. Then on the other, she is telling Cor that she needs to be perfect and gentle and kind and become the ideal wife. It's understandable then that Cor is not satisfied with this particular rule and subtly plans to undermine it at the first opportunity. Her father Zeus is uninterested in his daughter because she is just another child and the only value she has is as a bargaining chip – So when the time comes for her to be married off, she is placed on an auctioning block, metaphorical, not literal, as various gods offer up goods in exchange for this goddess of flowers and daughter of the king. No one realises that Kor has no intention of obeying either of her parents. In fact, the moment that they are both gone and she is alone, she opens a pathway to the underworld and jumps in, demanding Xenia or protection from Hades, the god of the underworld, the king. Hades is less than happy because he has no choice but to grant her request, and now he is stuck with this girl who could very well cause a war between the gods and expose him for the man he is. While wandering through the underworld, ignoring Hades' request that she stay in the room he has reluctantly given her, Core discovers that things in the underworld are in need of change. Victims of horrific crimes are expected to exist behind, beside those who committed them. Kor understands that this is wrong and, without intending to, originally at least, sets about making alterations to Hades' kingdom. In the beginning, there is a considerable amount of animosity and tension between these two reluctant housemates – Cor doesn't feel exactly trapped, but she also hates that this was her only option to escape the fate that her parents had decided for her. And Hades is unhappy that he is stuck with a house guest he is growing attracted to, despite his misgivings. When it becomes clear that her parents believe she has been taken by force, though they know not where, Hades and Cor hatch a plan that is going to set Olympus on fire – when Zeus's wrath reaches them. They are going to get married and Kor will become the queen of the underworld, a power to be reckoned with. It's at this point that Kor, which actually means the maiden, a further insult from her father, becomes Persephone and she truly becomes the mistress of her own fate, realising that her true power isn't only all about the flowers. Though this book got quite a lot of buzz before it was released, it's not had the same kind of impact I honestly expected. In fact, I was surprised when I checked out the reviews across a few platforms, including Goodreads, because I anticipated there would be at least a few thousand, despite the fact that it's only been available for two weeks. What I have discovered is That, as with every book that has an incredibly positive reception from readers, there are also some detractors. And that's fine, because balance is important. I say this every single time I review a book. If every single review was gushing about how wonderful it was, it's not unfair to assume that there is something just a little bit dodgy going on. Even my favourite books... (laughs) Seriously, some of my favourite books are a bit odd have gotten a considerable number of negative ratings because not everyone likes the same content. Wouldn't the world be boring and dull if they did? I am going to stress, as I do every single time I talk about reviews, that whatever these reviews say, my opinion is 100% my own. I'll be the first to admit that in other aspects of my life, I will occasionally waver. Okay, not occasionally, almost all the time and bow to peer pressure. But when it comes to books, the view I express is always mine and mine alone. Books are the one thing no one can sway me on. If only other things were that simple. Seriously, really, really sad. I have to admit that I find the reviews of others, especially on sites like Goodreads, to be quite entertaining because everyone has a different way of expressing things and they can vary so much. Quite often there will be something that multiple people love or hate and though my opinion will stay the same, whatever they say, it does give me a moment's pause because they may be pointing out something I have missed entirely when I've read the book myself. As always, I like to provide a balanced perspective because I think that when it comes to deciding on a new book, having views from both ends of the spectrum is important. I'm not saying that you should allow yourself to be swayed by the views of others any more than I should because you are the person doing the reading. But sometimes they can help you determine whether now is the right time to be reading A specific book especially if there are sensitive topics being covered in that text Holly gave this book just two stars as she didn't enjoy it at all she said I seem to be in the minority with this review but I didn't really enjoy this book and at times found it quite dull I adore a Hades and Persephone retelling and I have read my fair share of them in my time but this just felt a little bit flat. I think the premise was there, but the execution just didn't work for me. I think the book's main issue was its length. It had no business being as long as it was, and it was bogged down with a lot of filler. I felt like every scene was dragged out between chapters, and it would have worked better if it was dual perspective. I also don't think there was much chemistry between Hades and Kor. Hades basically warmed up to Kor at around 35% of the book, and after that he was just boring. The God of Death and the King of the Underworld is meant to have some kind of bite to him, and this guy was the equivalent to a fluffy rabbit. I wanted more from him, and from Kor, there was little banter, tension, or even believability. I did like the writing, and I would pick up something by this author again, which is why I gave this two stars. Not a recommendation from me, sadly. This book was released on the 20th of July, which means as I record this, it's been a little over two weeks since the hardback hit the shelves. So far, it's collected 642 ratings and 223 full reviews, which, in comparison with some of the other books I've looked at this year, especially fourth wing which as of right now has 300,797 ratings and a little under 57,000 written reviews is a rather low number but the book is a babe in arms in comparison with that one and no doubt that number will grow quite rapidly. The overall score for the book is currently 4.26 out of 5 on Goodreads And 84% of the ratings are 4 and 5 stars, which is definitely a positive sign. A little under 4% of the ratings are 1 and 2 stars, which, given the fact that there aren't that many full reviews right now, made it quite difficult to find a negative one. A considerable number of the reviews that I looked up highlighted that they hadn't even finished the book, or else the reviews themselves were very short, one-liners in many cases. As you all know from a previous episode, I struggle with DNF reviews because they are judging a book on the fact that they were unable to finish it. I appreciate that this in itself is an indicator of how much you did or didn't like something. However, is it fair to review the whole of something on a partial experience when it comes to anything books, films, TV shows, or anything else? As I mentioned earlier, I tend to notice patterns in reviews, and these were no different. There were just 23 ratings with lower scores, and those who had written full reviews seemed to have similar qualms when it came to the story. The length, the pacing, and the characterization of Hades, our dark god of the underworld. Hades was too fluffy. It was okay, I guess, but why is Hades just a disinterested book boy? Hades went from being respectful to a horn dog. Like, she is talking about how stressed she is. And he's like, oh yeah, but, but sex though. This flip happened in one chapter. Yes, it is a rather long book at just under 500 pages. And there are certain things that I would have loved to change about Hades' characterisation. But then I remind myself that A, I am not the target audience as I am definitely not YA anymore sadly, and b the author herself admitted that she had to change a lot because the original myth is not exactly romance friendly and definitely not suitable for a YA audience. Despite a number of readers having issue with the book, disliking the characterisation and finding the modern speech pattern use disruptive, the book has scored well with many and the hype across social media hasn't harmed it any. In fact, I found out about the special edition I ended up with because of a post on Waterstone's Instagram, what feels like an eternity ago. As I have said before, being hyped can actually damage a book, because people will expect far more from it when it's being raved about than they will about another book that has a somewhat silent release. However, as with a lot of things, silence doesn't equal sales, and a book needs to sell. Unfortunately, overhyped and popular novels can suffer for their popularity, attracting reviews and feedback from people who enjoy the process of hate reading. But everyone is entitled to an opinion and has a right to voice it in whatever way they choose. It's down to us as individuals to decide whether to give their views space in our heads or not. As I say every single week when it comes to opinions, whether it's for a book, film or a TV program, every view is very personal to the individual who wrote it. So they are completely subjective. When it comes to picking a book for yourself, it's always worth looking at more than one review if you're not sure. Though, to be honest, I would ask a friend first because everyone's opinion is different and that is never more obvious than when you're looking at book reviews. It was really easy to find a five star review, but it was much harder to find one that wasn't an essay or so filled with spoilers that you wouldn't need to read the book for yourself. You know me, I am all about keeping things 100% spoiler free, even if it's difficult. I have found that YA, and more specifically Fantasy YA, are the reviews that attract the incredibly long write-ups. They're littered with funny memes and lots of quotes, so I did have to search a little bit to find one that wasn't, because memes really don't translate well to audio. Yeah, I can just imagine explaining one. It's a picture of that person from that show. Sam gave the book five stars, having read it back in January on NetGalley. Clearly, she enjoyed it if her review is anything to go by, because she said, Pure joy and fun in book form. Girl Goddess Queen takes Hades and Persephone's tale and creates the ultimate rom-com drama with Persephone's growth and journey at its heart. The romance was also so refreshing, beginning with Hades as our dark and brooding love interest, and Persephone core as a witty match and a thorn in his side. After running away from the only home she's ever known, she seeks refuge in the underworld. After tricking Hades into letting her stay in his home, she takes it upon herself to explore Hades' realm of the underworld without his permission, and then proceeds to suggest improvements. Persephone, intrusive guest much? I loved the arc of their romance and how they grew from almost enemies to cautious friends, to real friendship, and then undergoing a fake marriage situation. All the while, they have the most insane chemistry and banter. If you enjoy pining and characters that try to hide their feelings, even though everyone knows you both should be together, this is it. Persephone's story from Little Girl to chaos bringer, was done really well, and you see her really grow into her own. She's a badass main character, while we get a more soft boy Hades, which I adored with my whole heart. I would do anything for that man. They had me giggling into the book and kicking my feet in the air. I had such a fun time with this book. If you enjoyed Lore Olympus, this would be the perfect read for you. It's equal parts rom-com and fantasy, while effortlessly weaving in Greek mythology elements and characters. I find reading other people's reviews is a fascinating way to pass some time, though I don't tend to read... Read them before I pick up a book because I try to go into a new book, especially one by a new author, with an open mind and pretty much blind because I don't want to know what other people have read into something. Of course, we can't see into the head of every reviewer who leaves a comment on a website, so we do have to take each review written with a pinch of salt. Everyone is different, which makes the world so interesting. And therefore, it makes sense that no two opinions on a book will be exactly the same. If you're looking at somewhere like Goodreads or Amazon to find out whether you should read a book or not, you may well come away more confused than you went in. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views, let's get down to it here are my thoughts on Girl Goddess Queen by B. Fitzgerald, completely spoiler-free and 100% honest, though they may get a little bit into Greek mythology territory here. Did I like the book? This time I didn't even wait to pick up the hyped book. I received it on release day and was reading it before the week was through. I even rushed through a few of the books I needed to review in order to get to this one quicker. I was drawn in not only by the absolutely stunning cover. Yes, I do keep on going on about it. But if you haven't seen a picture of it yet, I will post one on my Instagram and you can see exactly what I mean. But I was also promised I was getting a Hades and Persephone retelling. Indirectly, that's what we got. However, I did come away feeling as though there were certain elements that had been sugar-coated in order to give the tale some sweetness that the original definitely lacks, because the myth, as written by Homer, Ovid, Hesiod, and others, is far from fluffy. I'm not sure if you need a refresher or not, but here goes, just because I can, and my myth-loving heart enjoys any opportunity to share. Cronos, the Titan was told that he would be destroyed by one of his children, so when he and his sister wife Rhea had children, he devoured them so the prophecy could not come to pass. Unfortunately, he failed to take into account that Rhea wouldn't take too kindly to her children being eaten, and on the birth of her youngest son Zeus, she hid him away and gave her husband a rock wrapped in swaddling. When he grew up, their youngest child returned and freed his siblings from their prison in their father, thus fulfilling the prophecy. Okay, you may now be thinking, Ray, what the heck has this got to do with Hades and Persephone? Bear with me, I promise I am going to get there. Zeus was an all-round jerk. He married one of his sisters, Hera, and subsequently cheated on her multiple times with gods and mortals alike, including with another sister, Demeter, goddess of the harvest demeter gave birth to their daughter persephone and was to all intent and purpose an incredibly possessive and protective mother who loved her daughter above all else there are various other myths that make this whole incestuous thing much worse including one version of the tale where zeus becomes the grandfather father great uncle and uncle of children he has with his daughter but let's avoid that one for now shall we When Persephone reaches womanhood, probably a little bit before, as this is ancient Greece we're talking about here, her uncle Hades grows enamoured of her and kidnaps her, pulling her into the underworld, where he forces her to stay and become his consort. Demeter is furious and grieving the loss of her only child, so she orders Zeus to arrange for Persephone to be returned to her, All the while, the earth is dying and people are suffering because she is not producing food for the harvest. Hades isn't having any of this. He stole Persephone and she's his fair and square. And Zeus agrees, but with a grieving mother ignoring her responsibility to the humans, he has to do something to placate her. So he tells Demeter that if Persephone hasn't eaten anything in the underworld, she can be returned to live with her mother. Oh, Did I forget to mention the little bit that essentially Persephone is being starved of food while living in the underworld because to eat something means that she can never leave. Yeah, there's that additional little bit for you to swallow. Or not, as the case may be. Persephone gets so hungry that she gives into temptation and eats six pomegranate seeds. And knowing this, Hades is jubilant. But realising that the world and its people will suffer if he doesn't do something... Zeus bargains and persuades all parties involved that Persephone will spend half the year on Earth and the rest in Hades with her husband. So there you have it, the original myth, or a facsimile of it, far simplified, of course. As with many myths, Roman, Greek, Norse and Celtic, plus more, there is a lot of incest and removal of female autonomy. In fact, mythology in general is incredibly misogynistic, There's no avoiding it, which is why there have been so many retellings with a more feminist bent, because the women aren't completely helpless in these tales. Though there are some, Medusa and Athena, I am looking at you, which highlight how women were treated as possessions during this particular period of history. Knowing that story, you can see... Why B Fitzgerald wasn't ever going to be able to make that something that was YA suitable. Sure, there are a number of things that could have been used differently, but her version of Persephone is standing up for herself, taking charge of her life and ensuring that no one can manipulate her into doing things against her will again. I think that one of the lower-rated reviews mentioned that this was a Twilight-style retelling of the myth, and to a degree, they weren't wrong, I can't help thinking that the emo boy version of Hades is what elicited this particular opinion. As someone who has spent a long time studying mythology, both Greek and Roman, something I have mentioned so often you are likely sick of hearing me say it, I found that once I separated the original myth that I have always found fascinating from the story that Fitzgerald was telling, it was easy to enjoy the book for what it was. The book was admittedly a little longer than I felt it needed to be, especially when the character development was so tight and so close to the beginning. The extra pages didn't offer any further insight into our two lovebirds, reluctant or otherwise. Hades and Persephone's interactions were amusing, Though their feelings towards each other changed so often, it felt like I was travelling on a roller coaster, constantly swinging from, oh my god, I love him, to, I don't want to talk to him. For a girl who is not only plotting the downfall of her father, but potentially also a complete takeover, Persephone sometimes comes across as rather immature. And she definitely has that, I'm not like other girls vibe but she somehow manages to carry it off without coming across as constantly obnoxious. One of my favourite moments in the book is when, at her wedding and coronation, she crowns herself, making it clear to everyone that she is not going to bow down to any king, whether they are her husband or her father. She is finally going to take control of her life and woe betide anyone who thinks differently. Strangely, I had less of a problem with Persephone and her flip-flopping between love and hate for her sometimes unwilling host than I did Hades and his own little not-like-other-boys routine. He's a lover, not a fighter. He puts on a facade to fool the rulers of the other kingdoms that he is happy to go into battle, when in fact it turns his stomach. He is the one who hides who he is – because he knows he will be judged by others if he is seen to be weak with more feminine interests. When these two get together, there is a lot of confusion, not only because they are battling their feelings for each other, but also because they are fighting against the expectations that have been placed upon them. And this does get a little bit exhausting as a reader, but luckily we have the foils of their humorous companions, especially Sticks. yes, the river, and the dead who are happy to have someone, Persephone in this case, who is listening to their concerns about how the underworld is run. Persephone is very much a take-no-prisoners kind of girl, and this makes her the perfect contrast for Hades, who it seems struggles to fit the role he has been given. This was a fun book, a quick read, even though it is quite long, and one that I would recommend but I would also warn anyone who is reading it expecting a mythological retelling along the veins of Natalie Haynes or Claire North or Madeleine Miller that you won't be getting that. This is a story for the YA reader. The darkness has been stripped out and replaced with candy floss. And that's not a bad thing. Will I read anything else by B. Fitzgerald? This is Fitzgerald's first novel and I'm not sure what is coming next. This was a fun and light-hearted read, so I would likely pick up the next book, especially if it looks anything like this one, seriously. I do think that perhaps it could have done with losing a few pages to make the plot that much tighter, but that's really my only complaint. If you're looking for something like this, or you loved this and want something else, then you'll love these. There are so many mythological retellings available now, with more soon still to be released. I am keeping my ear firmly to the ground for the first whispers about a release date for Madeline Miller's own Persephone and Hades retelling. But I am not going to hold my breath for that to be any time soon. I mean, seriously, there was six years between The Song of Achilles and Circe, so we've still got a few years to go, or at least a year anyway. Most retellings tend to be somewhat closer to the ancient myth with small facts changed to suit the fact that the vast majority are told through the eyes of the female characters who were overlooked in the original text. Looking at my ever-growing shelf of retellings, most of them are about the humans whose lives were affected by the gods rather than the gods themselves. Books like The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes and Ithaca by Claire North. When it comes to the writing style, I would say that Herc by Phoenicia Rogerson is likely closest to Girl, Goddess, Queen. It's certainly very different to the other books that I've read in this genre, but I have enjoyed it nonetheless. If you're looking for something with a mythological focus that's written specifically for a YA audience, then I have two recommendations for fans of the Greek characters. Law by Alexandra Bracken and Threads That Bind by Kika Hatsopoulos. Both of these novels use Greek myth as a starting point and include characters who are descended from Greek heroes and gods. The last few weeks have been nothing if not a little bit mentally draining but I am coping and focusing on All the wonderful new books that I keep on finding to buy is making everything a little bit easier. Distractions always help. However, if you want to help me to stay distracted, I am more than happy to receive more book recommendations. Seriously, the more the merrier. So if there's a book you've read that you think I'd love or something you really want to hear me talk about in my spoiler-free way, send them on over. I am always interested in being introduced to new books and new authors. This year, my Goodreads is actually more than 50% of the books I've read have been by authors I have never read before, which I'm quite proud of. You can send me an email at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram or the site formerly known as Twitter and I will be sure to check it out. Don't forget, if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read, and keep up with my reviews, you can sign up for my newsletter, which I promise I will be getting started up again. It's just been an absolutely manic time of late, and you can sign up for that over on my website, beingbookish.co.uk. Well, that's it for this week and thank you for listening if you like what you hear why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on apple podcasts spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you listen you can follow me on instagram and threads as being bookish pod on tiktok as being bookish reviews and on x Oh god i really don't like that name as being underscore bookish Or you can check out my website for the podcast back catalogue and full written spoiler-free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I've got a lot to get ready for next week and another new book has literally just been posted through the letterbox by Mr Postman. So until next time, this is me saying farewell.